You're listening to Coast to Coast Latino. This is perhaps one of the most enjoyable versions of this song called La Malagueña. The song is performed by a band called Tortilla Factory. It was recorded back in 1973, and it was arranged by a gentleman by the name of Tony Ham Guerrero. Tony became a legend when uh, he integrated jazz into Tejano music. And uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, Little Joey La Familia, Tony Ham became La Familia back in 1968 when uh, Little Joey La Familia used to be called Little Joe and the Latineers. They changed their name to La Familia to incorporate this particular sound. After three years working together, they had their creative differences, and as a result, uh, they went their different ways with Tony Ham establishing Tortilla Factory and recording this particular album uh, back in 1973. The album itself uh, was uh, critically acclaimed by musicians throughout the world. And get this, this particular song is still taught at uh, many schools of music. Uh, Tony Ham, by the way, is is uh, educated uh, jazz musician out of the uh, Berklee School of Jazz in Boston. And uh, he has Tejano roots. He went back to Texas. And Lord and behold, we now have... Uh, this particular album uh, called Tortilla Factory. That was their very first album. And uh, I had the privilege of interviewing uh, Tony uh, back in uh, 2010 and uh, wrote an article about uh, the whole story of uh, Tejano music uh, back then. And uh, unfortunately, we lost Tony in uh, 2011 but uh, if you get a chance, check them out. They're on YouTube, Tortilla Factory Band. They're on YouTube. La Malagueña is also on YouTube. If you get a chance, uh, check them out also on Amazon.com, where they have many of their albums up for sale, as well as uh, Apple Tunes. Today is Wednesday, December 2nd. My name is Adrian Perez, and you are listening to Coast to Coast Latino. I want to thank you for taking time to join me today in uh, listening to the latest information and news about Latinos across the United States. And of course, as many of you know, and who have been following me, you know that I also include uh, some a lot of political stuff. Uh, you see, in, in, uh, from my perspective, uh, Latinos need to be fully engaged in three only three areas, that is education, economic development, and political empowerment. Those three will help the Latino community uh, become effective, become successful, and achieve things that we've never achieved before here in the United States. This particular podcast is brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, by 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the arts in enhancing the community. We're also brought to you by U-Haul, 
for your moving and storage needs, be sure to contact U-Haul. And uh, we're also sponsored by OIC Tax Services. Uh, if you find yourself in trouble with the IRS, you want to contact OIC, you can look them up, oic.com. Uh, make sure that uh, when you call them that you uh, tell them you heard uh, about them here on this particular podcast. Uh, here we are now almost uh, almost uh, 50 days before the inaugural, uh, and we still have a president who has not conceded. Uh, we have a president who is still questioning the uh, election itself, and we have a president who is causing panic among Republican voters. And uh, let me share with you a little bit of, of, of what's going on. Uh, because of his continuous lawsuits and claims that the entire election was rigged, even though he hasn't been able to uh, come up with any proof, and that includes his attorney general, Bill Barr, who yesterday said uh, there was no there was no tampering. The election is the election, and the election results are the results that we have. But uh, Donald Trump's uh, attorneys quickly came back uh, uh, yesterday afternoon with a press release saying that uh, he hadn't, Bill Barr had not fully looked at all the uh, affidavits that they have. Well, let me tell you, if they have six million affidavits, I think some of us will agree that yeah, maybe there's there's some tampering that happened, but there are there are not six million affidavits. Uh, they've checked the machines. The machines produce a paper ballot. The paper ballot has been physically counted, and uh, things haven't changed. In fact, Donald Trump uh, uh, and his campaign paid three million dollars for one particular county to do a recount only to find that uh, there were 87 votes more for Joe Biden. So that tells us that, that he's barking up a, a very hollow tree uh, and, and there's no reason for him to continue this. But check this out. So his continuous claims has made Georgia voters, Republican voters, panic. And right now they're in a in a very heavy duty campaign. Uh, to, it's a runoff for both Senate seats for both Georgia U.S. Senate seats, and Republicans are saying Republican voters are saying, why should they vote? They're planning to boycott the vote. Why should they give any money to the campaigns, especially if the elections are rigged? So all of a sudden. Uh, Republican Party people in Georgia are panicking. They're going, uh-oh, uh, you know, Donald Trump has gone overboard on this thing. So they've been asking the president to come back and and uh, try to fix that. But in order for him to do that, he has to concede that he lost the election, which he won't do. And uh, yesterday, a Republican official for the uh, Secretary of State's office came out and begged Donald Trump to stop the claims of fraud because their election people, who are also Republican, 
are receiving uh, uh, threats against their lives. And let me tell you, if something happens to one of those people, uh, there's going to be an incredible outcry. And the incredible outcry is going to be that Donald Trump pushed this, Donald Trump made it happen, and as, as a result, somebody was either hurt badly and or killed, which is going to look really bad for all Republicans across the United States, except for perhaps California. Let me tell you, in California, uh, approximately 70% of all voters voted for Joe Biden. But get this, the Republican Party gained two new Republican seats and regained a third one. And so that tells us that the Republican Party in California is actually doing pretty good. They're moving forward. And the other thing that it tells us is that Republicans not just in California, but across the U.S., they rejected Donald Trump because across the U.S., many Republicans uh, took their seats back without any problem. And uh, so when you get that number of votes, it tells you that, you know, that Republicans like their representatives, but they don't like the president. And so they, they voted essentially against the president. Not that they like Joe Biden, understand. Just like a lot of Democrats voted against the president, not because they like Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a, is a tough pill to swallow. Uh, and all you need to do is look at his history, uh, especially with Latinos. It's not a very good one. You know, him and Barack Obama were responsible for the deportation of over 3 million Latinos. They destroyed tens of thousands of Latino families, tearing them apart, where either one parent was deported or sometimes both parents were deported, leaving the children to the uh, Child Protective Services. And we know what a great group of people those guys are. And so it, 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 it was a it was a tough decision for many Latinos to vote for Joe Biden. And and I'll be very frank with you. When you look at rural Texas, rural California, they voted for Joe Biden. Latinos voted for, or, or rather, Latinos voted for Donald Trump. They did not vote for Joe Biden because they remember this. And they also are are leaning more to the right than they are to the left. When you hear... Uh, the left talking about socialism, it scares people. One of the reasons we have so many Latinos, especially from Central and South America, moving to the United States is because of socialism in their countries. They're running away from it. The last thing they want is to be, to, to be told that socialism perhaps is not a bad idea. But suddenly, many of the uh, individuals... Democrats who've been pushing this whole concept of socialism, including Bernie Sanders, you know, they back down because they're realizing that there's a lot more voters that are not interested at all in supporting socialism, especially in the United States. Now, again, going back to uh, 
Donald Trump's uh, philosophy of wanting to hold on to office no matter what, you know, he has submitted almost uh, 40 different lawsuits trying to stop the election results. They've either been thrown out by the judges uh, in, in the case of appeal courts. Uh, they have told them, no, we're not, we're not going to listen to it without proof. And then, uh, and then in other cases, the attorneys themselves uh, explain to the, to the judges that uh, they too uh, are not bringing on a fraud case. So if there's so much fraud, why is it that his own attorneys are telling the judges, uh, the courts, that uh, there is no fraud? Therefore, why are they in, in the courts? Uh, this has also uh, put doubt as to whether this election will ever end up over at the uh, Supreme Court, considering that even those judges are really not interested in listening to uh, a false set of cases regarding uh, fraud. Uh, so, you know, he's got 50 days to pack up his bags. 50 days to really bring in the new administration and help them transition in. And uh, he's not doing that, uh, although uh, there are many Republicans who are pushing him uh, to, to do something. Uh, for some reason, he's, he's not listening to them either. And the strangest thing happened uh, during uh, Thanksgiving. He... Uh, held a press conference, something he hadn't done in uh, in a, a number of weeks. I mean, he had a press conference regarding the uh, stock market, uh, but he didn't take any questions. He was in and out of that, that presentation in less than a minute. But this particular uh, uh, Thursday, he sat down in what appeared to be a baby desk uh, because it was so little compared to him. And, uh, and and for those of you who've seen the hashtag uh, Diaper Don, that's pretty much where it came from. The, it, and so he, he, uh, he had a, a very unusual press conference where he took some questions but kept claiming that there was all this fraud. And the questions to him were, Okay, if the Electoral College votes for Joe Biden, will you, will you leave office? He responds, uh, well, if they do that, you know, it, it, it won't be accurate because there's so much fraud in the elections. Again, right now for him to demonstrate fraud in any state, including Arizona, by the way, which certified their election yesterday, any state, it's really going to be up to his lawyers to show all this proof because as every state has come out, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, uh, Nevada, Arizona, as they've come out to certify the vote, there's no way to change it. It's certified. That is the vote that they are submitting. Okay, and uh, based on those votes, Joe Biden won. 
And of course he's angry at all the Republicans who are certifying these elections. Yesterday he, he screamed and yelled uh, at, uh, at uh, Arizona governor because the Arizona governor is saying, look, we, we looked at the numbers and nothing's changed. We don't see any fraud. We're fine. But because of his continuous push for uh, that there was fraudulent voting happening and the Democrats cheated uh, the Republicans out of this election, there are many voters in Georgia who, like I mentioned before, are starting to boycott the election, which means that the two Republicans that are running uh, for their seats against two Democrats who are very close by, which is the reason why they are having a runoff in January, uh, they're about to lose. Because if, if Georgia Republican voters don't show up, the, uh, the Democrats are going to win. And that's going to change the U.S. Senate. All of a sudden, Mitch McConnell is out of a job, so to speak. Uh, he won't have the power that's essential to be able to carry legislation, to be able to block appointments, or, or for that matter, uh, uh, carry any kind of water at a national level. So the impacts are very significant. That's why the Republican Party itself is starting to, to, to scream back at Donald Trump saying, knock it off, please, you're killing us. And on a national level, I think it would be a total travesty if the Republican Party lost its ability to actually gain anything anymore. You see, under a two-party system, at least we have two points of view on, on ideas. Ideal would be more than two, but the fact that we have two is better than, than having a singular perspective. And let me give you an example of why it's bad to have a singular perspective. All you need to do is look at the state of California. Taxes are through the roof. No housing strategies. Um, and what's even worse is the continuous growth of homelessness. There are states in the United States that don't understand why there's homelessness because they don't see it in their states. We're seeing it in California. We're seeing the number of, of, of people that are living out in the streets just in mind-boggling numbers, camped out in sidewalks, camped out in the parks, camped out along the riverbeds. I mean, it is... A, a total travesty. And let me tell you, for those of us that are religious, we know that if God came down and looked at this, he would ask us, what kind of human beings are you guys? What have you done? And there's no strategy. There's no effort. Nothing's happened. And that is because we have a single party mentality, and that's the Democratic Party, which in California is extremely to the left. Uh, they are more concerned about saving a tree than saving a human being. They're more concerned about saving a fish that has absolutely no natural value than saving a human being. Uh, and so, you know, there was an old empl uh, employer of mine 
who used to tell me, you know, the difference between uh, between liberals and, and racists is that with racists, at least you know exactly where you stand. With liberals, you have no idea. And many of us Latinos are realizing that. We see what is going on in Texas. We see what is going on in California. And, and we don't like it. We, we're saying no, enough is enough. And as a result, you're seeing a lot of Latinos, especially in rural areas. You're seeing them becoming even more conservative, more entrenched to help out the Republican Party. And in California, who's taking advantage of uh, the fact that uh, the uh, Democrats are somewhat imploding in the, uh, in the state? Well, I can tell you. It's a Latina, a Latina by the name of Jessica Patterson. She is the head of the state of California's Republican Party. She's the GOP chair. And the things that she is doing is just unbelievable. She's reaching out to Latinos. She's reaching out uh, to churches. She's reaching out to farm workers. She's reaching out into corners that you never found Republicans before. And as a result, we're seeing many Republicans, uh, as I mentioned earlier, getting elected, including Latinos who are Republican. Will we see more Republican Latinos run for public office? Absolutely. And we're going to see them in large numbers in California. We also believe that in 2022, because of her leadership, the uh, state's assembly and the state's Senate will see some change. They're not going to take over, but there are going to be some changes. In addition to that, uh, there hasn't been a constitutional officer elected uh, for uh, uh, that's Republican for uh, uh, over a decade. I think based on what I'm seeing, I think we're going to see a Republican elected to a constitutional office. And that Republican may also be Latino. You see, in California, Latinos are the, are the majority. Okay, They're the most populous. 40% of the state's population is Latino. But the frustrations that grow are primarily education, and economic. With the pandemic, uh, there have been a number of missteps. The hardest hurt are Latino businesses. With education, there's there continues to be uh, a lot of missteps. As a result, Latinos, Latino children, are significantly impacted. They still comprise the largest number of, of kids who drop out of school who don't graduate from high school, and who don't go to college. And uh, if you want to tie in economics with education, let's do that because that is exactly what is happening is a lot of Latinos that aren't getting an education are doing menial work, uh, and many of them were doing service work. As a result, many of them lost their jobs. 
others have uh, that are entrepreneurs, as I mentioned, have been significantly impacted by the decisions being made by the Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, at, that, that are impacting the their business. And this is the same governor, Gavin Newsom, who, yes, was caught without a mask at a function in Napa. Uh, but what people have not talked about is what was the function, who put it on, and what was the end result? Well, the guy who put it on is a lobbyist, a lobbyist for a couple of oil companies. Gavin Newsom uh, has been telling everybody that we have to stop fracking by 2024. Uh, oddly enough, his friend who threw this party that he attended at, uh, his friend and his clients were able to get numerous fracking permits that, yes, Governor Newsom had to approve. So uh, it, 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 it raises all kinds of red flags regarding the Democratic Party's uh, true honesty to Californians about the environment. What is it that we're really going after? Are we going after supporting companies that are uh, really greasing the wheel, or are we going after companies that are... Uh, that are, in fact, going to be better for the state of California. And we've, we've been arguing with this point for many, many uh, decades. Uh, and now it's, it's the, as they say, the, uh, the rubber's meeting the road. And now we're seeing that the Democratic Party is, in fact, in cahoots with a lot of companies that continue to pollute the air. And uh, their message of environmental uh, protection uh, has all been a, a dressing in disguise. And that's not good. That's not good for Latinos. It's not good for, for anyone else. If, if the, let me tell you, if the Democrats were really this concerned about Latinos, they would have pushed and approved some kind of overtime for farm workers. Some farm workers work up to 12 hours a day and they don't get paid overtime. And understand that farm workers were purposely left out of the National Labor Relations uh, Act uh, because many farmers needed farm workers to work a, a extremely long hours and they didn't have the money to be able to pay them Overtime. Well, now that so many uh, farmers are receiving subsidies from Donald Trump because he pulled his uh, uh, our trade deal with China, uh, those farmers are receiving money, and they should be able to pay overtime. But we're not seeing that. The most hurt farmer uh, farm workers, and by the way, guess who are essential workers? Farm workers, and. We're still in in this position. They have no benefits. They they don't get paid their worth. They're getting COVID in, in huge numbers. COVID nineteen is is just devastating farm worker communities, not just in in uh, California but in Texas, Arizona, uh, 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 and and in fact across the U.S. Farm workers are 
not being provided any PPP type protections. Uh, and uh, many of them really don't understand how COVID works. Therefore, guess what? There's no discussion uh, or effort by by uh, the state to educate farm workers about uh, COVID. And, uh, and it's really tragic. And it's not until more recently that some programs are, in fact, designing very creative, some uh, nonprofits are designing creative approaches at protecting farm workers. That includes providing temporary housing for them in hotels for whoever is exposed and or sick. Now the the uh, number of, uh, of ICUs, especially in rural California, uh, are there's not enough to be able to protect and take care of so many patients. That's why everybody is panicking. All the politicians are panicking. But shutting down an economy doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to improve things for farm workers. It just means that people who like to party late at night are not going to get that privilege anymore. And you know, COVID-19 is not, and I've said it before, it's not something to, to, to just scoff at. It is a very significant issue, especially in the Latino community. We still have the largest number of people being affected. We have the largest number of people dying. And, uh, and it's because of a variety of, of reasons, including uh, having underlying uh, conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, uh, obesity, and the list goes on and on. Um, our community is, is, uh, is hurting. It's hurting financially, it's hurting educationally, and it's hurting because we don't have political say-so or political power. These things need to change, folks. And if unless we take action, they will never change. My recommendation, get involved. Let's make a difference. You can make a difference. Follow the basic protections. But more importantly, see how you can help your own community. I want to thank you for joining me this Wednesday, December 2nd on Coast to Coast Latino Podcast. Again, my name is Adrian Perez. I appreciate you joining me uh, twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. You can learn more about us at coasttocoastlatino.com. You can also uh, check us out on uh, Facebook, Coast to Coast Latino, where we update our news and information on a daily basis. Again, thank you very much for joining me. And until then, stay safe, wear a mask. The person you protect may be your own parents. Take care. Nuevamente te soñé y sigo preguntándome por qué me